P A P E R R A D I O A friend of a friend is recruiting Santas for shopping centres. She says they're having trouble finding them. The money is slightly better than my labelling job. You just need a police check, she says. Well, I've already got one from being a teacher. Usually you would have to go to Santa school, but this year there is no time. This year, there is a Santa shortage. They give me a DVD to watch and a Santa suit in a big black bag. I have freakishly small feet so they don't have boots in my size. Just buy gumboots from Mitre 10, she says. The DVD won't work in my PlayStation so I read the booklet. Keep your hands in view at all times, it says. No tickling or intimate kissing, it says. Never talk about religion or race. Do not let Santa suit ride up on body. Oh my God. What have the previous Santas been doing and saying? I feel I have made a terrible mistake accepting this Santa job. What was I thinking? I can't possibly pull this off. I hate Christmas and I'm not fat enough or old enough or jolly enough. Use your normal laugh, advises the booklet. Simply change the ha to ho. That sounds pretty zen to me. There was a list of stuff in the booklet that I was expected to buy. Rouge, eyebrow whitener, fabulon fabric freshener, mints. I thought, well, that's going to eat into Santa's paycheck, surely, so I didn't buy any of it, except for the mints. I read the booklet twice. It was mostly about not touching the children, though, and didn't cover much actual Santa information. I felt unprepared. Go in cold. driving over the Westgate Bridge with the Santa bag towards the suburb of Werribee. I don't even look up how to get there in the Melways. What am I doing? Oh my God, where the hell am I? The Werribee shopping centre is spread out like an octopus. There are police at every exit, waiting for someone. I have a lot of trouble finding Santa's throne. A security guard takes me to the change room and I ask him what the police are doing, but he won't tell me. I haven't allowed myself enough time to put the suit on. It's not like I actually know how to. The beard seems to be the most confounding apparatus, so I leave it till last. There is quite a pathetic fat suit. It's more like thermal underwear and it doesn't seem to make me fat at all, just hot. It must make you lose weight. I have to make an extra notch in Santa's belt because it just keeps slipping off my belly. It's not a good sign. There is some sort of tape included, but I can't work out what that's for. There's these little fake fur garters that you roll over Santa's gumboots to make them look less like gumboots. I can't really get them looking right, but I need to devote the rest of my preparation time to Santa's beard. I consult the booklet, but it's not helpful. The vital information must be on the DVD. The stress and anxiety is making me sweat. I end up sort of squashing the beard under the wig somehow. I put Santa's cap on. It all holds together pretty good. Brush eyebrows forward, says the booklet. I place the glasses on the end of my nose, brush my eyebrows forward. Looking deep into the mirror, I am very surprised to see Santa staring back at me, smiling. Jesus, there's even a mischievous twinkle in his eye.
Santa looks like he needs a good feed, though. Oh no, says Santa to the mirror. I forgot to go to the toilet. Santa decides to use the stalls instead of the urinal because he needs somewhere to put his sack and bell and gloves. He knows that he shouldn't hang around the public toilets for too long. When he is washing his hands, a Down syndrome boy, about 15, comes running in and gets a fright. Oh no, he says. It's Santa. He seems very disappointed. Merry Christmas, says Santa, meticulously drying his hands before slipping on his bright white gloves. Merry Christmas, Santa, says the boy's carer. I suppose when you gotta go, you gotta go. Absolutely, says Santa. Ha ha ha, says the boy. Ho ho ho, says Santa, walking out of the public toilets a little furtively. On the way from the toilet to Santa's throne, Santa meets and greets the public as best he can. It feels a little awkward and manufactured. Hello, Santa, says an elderly couple. Merry Christmas, says Santa, somewhat unconvincingly. Hmm, look at that, says the man to his partner. A self-conscious Santa. They walk off, laughing at Santa. Merry Christmas, says Santa, to random members of the public, but it doesn't feel right. I'm a fake, says Santa fearfully to himself. Total fake and a phony. Santa checks his reflection in the front window of Dick Smith Electronics. He's pleased with what he sees. I will be a better Santa. I will not be a crap Santa. Santa sits on his throne and waits to pose for photographs with the children. Santa likes to make eye contact with everyone lining up for the photo. He waves to them individually and doesn't move on until they have waved back or looked away. Henry Rollins did the same thing to Santa and everybody else in the room when Santa saw his spoken word show in the mid-80s. It made Santa feel special. It made Santa feel like he was really there. Small children love Santa from far away. They wave back at him like an old friend. But when they are thrust upon his knee, they wig out completely, kicking out, screaming. The parents have already paid for a photo with Santa, so there's no turning back now. Sometimes the parents have to sit with Santa to calm them down. See, they say, Santa and Daddy are old friends. Sometimes the mums are upset because they haven't dressed up for the photo or put on their makeup. It's all they can think about during the photography. They are going to look worried in all the photos. One of the dads is a bit unsteady on his feet and embarrassed about being in the photo and about the noise his daughter is making. I'm really mad at you, Chantel. You've ruined the photo for Nan now. His daughter is making a scene. Everyone is looking and laughing. The photographer suggests that Dad sit with Santa and Chantel to reassure her. Santa gives her a present, a colouring book and some crayons, and she stops crying for a moment to look it over, and the photographer tells Santa to look into the lens and takes the photo. But her dad is still angry. I am so angry at you, Chantel, ruining this photo for Nan. He's looking straight into the camera, and the photographer is trying to make them all laugh. So now you're not getting any presents. No! No presents. You've had your chance. You've ruined Christmas for everyone. No, you're not getting anything. He's sort of hissing these words in her ear in a nasty little whisper, but Santa can hear. Santa wants to ask her what she wants for Christmas, but her dad won't let her. He drags her off screaming past Toys R Us. Santa feels like punching him in the nose. Santa feels like doing something, but there are children rifling through his chest of toys. Hey, get out of here.
Santa suddenly realises that he has either forgotten or never known very much about himself. Santa can't remember if he is from the South Pole or the North Pole. The kids know more about it than he does. It's like he has amnesia or something. For example, he can't remember how many reindeer he has. He tells a little girl that he thinks it's 12. Dad thinks there are six. Your dad is quite right, says Santa. But I rotate them, like tyres. They get very tired. She's worried about something. Last week she saw Santa at Coles, and then she went to Safeway and saw him there too. How can there be two Santas in different places at the same time? Hmm, that is a good question. Santa holds out his palms like opposite goalposts. He feels a little bit like a mime performer with the white gloves on. They are so expressive. Do you think, think, begins Santa carefully, that what you saw may have been one Santa standing in front of a big mirror? I don't think there was a mirror there. Well, sometimes mirrors are so big that you don't see them. He looks into one white glove palm and then into the other. It seems to convince Santa. You know what I mean, though? Maybe what you were seeing was a reflection of Santa. One Santa and one reflection of Santa. She's not sure. She looks over at her dad. Her dad is wearing a 50 cent t-shirt and he is laughing at Santa. There's a bit of a gap in the conversation when Santa and the girl don't know what else to talk about. Santa ends up saying all the things you would expect him to say. Thanks for coming to see me. Merry Christmas. When there's a lull in the conversation, Santa likes to talk about the trouble he had parking his sled. The parking spaces here are very small, he says, making a small shape with his brilliant white gloves. Santa's sled is very long, he says, stretching out his hands. Anyway, I had to park my sled on the roof. It was the only place it would fit. He talks a lot about Mrs. Claus because she is a safe subject. Nobody seems to know anything about her. He talks about her a lot. Santa really misses her. He can't wait to see her again. Santa can't help feeling that most of the children that ask him for things are intolerably selfish and greedy. They seem to be just going through the motions for their mums and dads. It's like they believe more in the presents under the tree than Santa. Everybody wants what the TV has told them to want. Remote-controlled dinosaurs, iPods, Xboxes, and real-life robot babies that cry and fart and shit. How do they expect him to know how to make all this stuff? Santa has to say what the booklet says to say. Hmm, I'll see what I can do about that. Santa can't promise anything. Okay, Santa. These two aren't having a photo taken. They just want to say something to Santa. Fantastic, says Santa. It's Santa's favourite word. He worries he says it too much, but then no, he can never really say it enough. A girl of about seven or eight and a boy of about six. Santa is impressed with their bravery. They walk straight up to him and shake hands, even though they look a little worried and scared. So what would you like for Christmas? I don't want anything for Christmas. Her fingers are all curled tight into fists. I don't need anything either, says her brother. He is all tensed up too. They seem to be making a deal with Santa, some sort of bargain. I just want my mum and dad to stay together. And stop fighting. I don't want Dad to go and live somewhere else. I want them to celebrate. 
There is a little silence because Sandra is thinking furiously hard. I'm not sure I can do anything about that, says Santa, looking over at their parents all sheepish behind the barrier. The dad rocking from foot to foot, looking apprehensive. The mum crying and looking away. I'm not sure there's anything you guys can do about it either. I know that it's not your fault though. I know that for sure. Santa wishes that he had something good to give them. Something they could really use. The thing is, I can't give you presents if you've been bad. And I know you're both very good. So here are some presents for coming to see me early. He waves at the kids' parents and they seem satisfied. Thank you, mouths the mum to Santa. And Santa feels all at once like the great and powerful Oz. A true phony, all hot air and double talk, lacking in true miracles. Santa has a dry, sore throat and can't swallow, but realises he can't drink from his water bottle. His beard would get in the way. Santa wants to help the children more, but that would be truly impossible. He's worried that the toys he's giving out are poorly made. They are in fact crap. He gives out a lot of crayons. Do you like reading? Santa loves to read books. And draw pictures of Mrs. Claus and all the reindeers having a party. After three or four hours, Santa is very tired. He's thirsty and hot. The booklet stresses not to complain about it, and so Santa doesn't. Remember, says the booklet, photographs of Santa will be displayed on mantelpieces for a long time. Be accommodating, says the booklet. Photographers pay Santa's wages. Now, Santa, you're not looking into the camera lens enough. You've got to give me the Santa sparkle. At the moment, it's just not there. They keep handing Santa these tiny, terrified babies that just want the smell of their mothers and not a weird, skinny, stale Santa. Santa has to balance sets of twins and triplets on his knees. He has to squash them together like a piano accordion so they don't fall off. Some of them look like they have just been born, soft and tiny and fragile, all wrapped up snug like the pupae of a giant insect. Near the end of the day, Santa becomes suspicious of a bearded man hanging around his throne. Santa waves him over to talk, and the man gives him a folded up piece of paper with his name on it, and a list of CDs he would like for Christmas. Hmm, says Santa, stroking his beard. I'll see what I can do about that. Santa tries to shake the bearded man's hand. Thanks for coming to see me, says Santa. But no, the bearded man wants to sit on Santa's knee and give him a hug. Merry Christmas, says Santa. Merry Christmas, Santa, says the bearded man. At the end of the shift, when Santa is back in the bag, the photographer wants to have a word with me. Um, so we've had some complaints from Santa management. You're not really fat enough. Didn't I give you a fat suit? But I was wearing the fat suit. It's just that I've been labouring and I've lost weight. Well, next time you'll just have to shove a pillow up there or something. A Shortage of Santas was written by One Time Shopping Mall Klaus, Eric Yoshiaku Dando, Grayson Gilmore rang the jingle bells, and Polly Deadman decorated the story.
If you liked that report from Inside the Red Suit, take a look around paperradio.net because you might find something else that tickles your eardrums. If you really, really liked it, tap out a rating on iTunes. We would be ever so grateful. A Shortage of Santas is a co-commission of Paper Radio and RN's creative audio unit. It was produced with the support of Arts Victoria's Vic Arts Programme and the Ian Reid Foundation. Thanks for listening.